Hi, I'm Jenny. And I'm Shelby. And this is Chub Rub Book Club. Hi, everyone. This is Jenny, just to check in. Jenny from the future. Uh, <laughs> the future being, oh my gosh, it's almost August, July 2021. Um, we are releasing this quite a bit after we recorded it. And we wanted to check in um, and just make it really clear that 2020 and early 2021 have been difficult for a lot of people in a lot of ways. And um, in this episode, we get into discussions about current events surrounding um, um, mistreatment and oppression of black and brown bodies. And that has not stopped since we recorded this back in early 2020. Um, in many ways, it's gotten worse. So we wanted to flag that many things have happened since this discussion. Um, but we also are aware that those traumas are ongoing for a lot of people. So um, this is our flag waving at you that this conversation is a little dated, but we hope it's still um, enjoyable or helpful or um, interesting for you. Yeah, and and I would add that I think uh, if children of blood and bone, uh, which is our uh, book for today, um, is a book that you've not yet read, uh, it it's worth the read and and more relevant than ever. Agreed. On with the show. Well, hi Shelby. Hi, Jenny. It's been too long. I've missed this. Me too. So I think our intro question on deck for today is what method do you prefer to read by? I don't know if that's like the correct way to say that, but mm-hmm. ebook, audiobook, paper book? I used to be really hardcore committed to the to the real book. Like for years I resisted getting a Kindle or something because I was so committed to the paper book. But then once I got my Kindle, I pretty much exclusively started reading on that. Um, and now I still mostly do that, except I use our libraries app a lot. And that um, has changed how I read quite a bit because if I'm reading the, the app my library uses um, doesn't allow you to send it to your Kindle. So if I'm reading a book I borrow from the library um, from their app, I have to read it on my phone, which is not my favorite way to read. But um, but what I do a lot more often is listen to their audiobooks, which I love. Um, I get paper books from them sometimes too, but I got to admit, I use their app more often than I go in and get paper books. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I mean, okay, so... I don't have a Kindle because of the very reason that you said about like, you know, sort of being resistant to that, you know, online reading experience. And I will say like, if I, okay, well, so all that to say, I actually do read a lot of books um, via ebook. And because I don't have a Kindle, I do it on my iPad or my phone. Um, But even more than that, I listen to audiobooks like, a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I read like, I want to say 124 
books so far this year. Respectable. And, <laughs> and I would say that like over half of those are audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it counts. Like for all of you haters out there who are like, oh, audiobooks don't count. They 100% count. Um, it is a different reading experience though. Why do and- you think that, why do you think that like opinion exists? Like, why do you think people, ableism. okay. <laughs> <laughs> ableism. But I mean, also like, I think for, I mean, I, I was probably like a purist, um, you know, back in the day who would have said the same thing, like, oh, well, you know, reading an audio, listening to an audiobook isn't the same thing as, you know, reading an actual book. But, but no, I think it is. I think it's a, it's a new and different way to make the material accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say this as someone who still loves to collect books. We have a ton of bookcases in our house. And if I read a book like from the library or something like that, that I really love, I either buy it or like put it on a wish list because I would like to own it. Um, I really enjoy, you know, like dog earring pages and writing notes and highlighting and stuff like that. Yeah, which again, like a lot of reading purists would be like, oh my gosh, blasphemy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really think that books are meant to be engaged with in different ways. And I think that using different senses is a totally valid way to do that. Yeah. So to unpack what you said a little bit, like, you said ableism. Um, so essentially, if you're not familiar with that term, because I know some people who are going to be listening won't be, um, essentially it is a form of discrimination against people with disabilities and making barriers to their access to whatever form of media, whatever place, whatever um, privilege or right they should have access to. So when we talk about ableism um, in terms of audiobooks, what we're saying is like, you know, there are people who, for whatever reason, can't read a physical book. Um, and a lot of that comes down to disability. So, you know, if you think of someone maybe who um, the, the obvious example is someone who's uh, blind or has impaired vision. So, is it, you know, less reading for them to listen to an audiobook? But you can also expand that definition because there are plenty of people who, you know, have dysgraphia, dyslexia, anything that might make it really difficult to read. And for that reason, uh, audiobooks can really open those doors. So when we talk about, when we talk about like hatred of audiobooks being kind of rooted in ableism, there is this like gatekeeping, um, purest way to think about it but there's also this way to think about it where you're saying these stories are important and I love these stories and it's for that reason that I want them to be accessible to as many people as possible yes 100% and I think also like you know when when you're talking about audiobooks um, a a series that I enjoy is uh, the Throne of Glass series by uh, Sarah J Moss and uh, Audible whatever you know the Amazon like audiobook platform owns exclusive rights to that audiobook mm-hmm. so our libraries cannot access the audiobook mm-hmm. version um and so i think like that's another barrier 
to access, uh, which I mean, right, like many of us use Amazon. I am guilty it and still still do, but like that's just one of the many, many ways that, um, you know, big giants like Amazon can influence the world because you know we talk about utilizing our libraries like those are fantastic resources and 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 not just for you know people who read a lot like us but for people who you know don't have the money to buy books Mm -hmm. Uh, like it can be a real asset to have a local library and if your library has audiobooks that's awesome Mm -hmm. agreed Um, yeah, and there, you know, there are various apps and stuff that libraries use to make those resources accessible. Like I use Libby, oh, um, which actually digression. But what? I wish my library had Libby. I'm sure it's a money thing, but we use it we use is. Cloud Library, which is fine. Don't get me wrong; it's fine. It it gets the job done, but the browsing features are not what I wish they were. Well, and one thing that I actually really love about Libby is that it does let you send your book to a Kindle. Mm -hmm. Um, So like sometimes I prefer to even just read on the Kindle app Mm -hmm. uh, rather than on the Libby app. Um, And it'll let you do that. Uh, So that's kind of cool. It's basically Libby's awesome. Use it. Yes. Uh, And also I need a Kindle because (laughs) also like, that's another thing is Kindle books are, or I mean, right. It doesn't have to be Kindle books, but like an ebook is, um, another like great way to read. I, I don't personally love the experience of it as much, but it is often cheaper Mm -hmm. and it's also like environmentally friendly. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Anyway, you can get your hands on a book. To me, that's a worthwhile way to read. I would agree. Um, quick sound note. I have acquired a cat since we last recorded. <laughs> and she's sitting on my lap. So, like, she might just interject at any given moment. Yes. I I mean, I have four cats. And none of them are currently in the room where I am recording. But the door to this room does not actually like latch closed so they could come in at any time so Um, listener beware (laughs) jenny tell us a little bit about your cat my cat is named agnieszka um i definitely lifted that name from naomi novik's uprooted which is not my favorite book but um it's i mean it's perfectly good i just you know i don't it's not one of like in my top 10 or anything but um, the second I read the main character's name, Agnieszka, I was like, that is the best name I have ever heard. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to give it to a kitty. Um, Agnieszka is a calico and she mostly, uh, goes by Aggie because Agnieszka can be kind of a lot, you know, when your cat's coughing up a hairball, you don't really have the time to yell Agnieszka as much as you can be like, Aggie. Um, <laughs> So, yeah. And speaking of cats, like I, I actually just heard my cat Lily meowing outside the door. She does not like to be separated from me by a closed door. Um, it is very distressing to her. I do not know why. 
she often doesn't even actually want to come in the room where I am. She just doesn't want the door to be mm-hmm. closed. Mm-hmm. So you may you may be able to hear her meowing. I don't know. Okay. Cat digression. But you good? Cat digression. Crazy cat ladies. <laughs> no, not crazy. You're right. Wild cat ladies. Wild about cats, these ladies. <laughs> that's that's what it is. Exactly. So, Jenny, our book for today. Yes, our book for today, as we teased in our last episode, whenever that was, is uh, Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi. Yes. Many moons ago, uh, our last episode, yes. the Lunar Chronicles. <laughs> 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 um, Gotta love a pun. Shelby, this book is great. Let's just. I'm glad you think so. <laughs> yeah, my track record on thinking books are great is not as high as yours. Um, <sighs> on this podcast. <laughs> um, I I, I want to start by just saying, like, this book did take me a while to read. Um, I read the, I read the first. I was looking at my Kindle version today. I, I listened to the first. Uh, probably 70, 65%, um, a couple of times. And I always, oh, spoilers, by the way, we're, I'm just going to jump right into it. Um, I got through the first, you know, 65, 70% a number of times. And then I, I stopped every time when Zuleika dies. Hmm. Um, it just made me too upset. And I put the book away. I was like, I can't engage with this right now, um, which will unpack what I, the feelings I have about that decision. But um, And then it took a couple months to return to it, to download the ebook, um, and really get through the rest. And I say get through because, I mean, it continues to be really well written and really engaging, but it, it does not get less intense or emotionally difficult. Um, right. it, it just keeps being intense and emotionally difficult. Um, yep. and so I think, I think it would be disingenuous of us to not say that as we've discussed before, we're, we're two white women reading a book, um, that is inherently, concerned with and advocating for the rights of black people. Um, and Tomi Adeyemi makes really clear, makes that explicitly clear in her author's note. Um, she's, she yeah. says, you know, if you cried when Zuleika died, like consider Tamir Rice, um, consider Trayvon Martin. Like, did you not cry when they died, but you cried when this fictional child died. Um, and right. so for me, I, I just want to claim right at the beginning that like, the fact that it took me a while to get through this book is sort of a sign of my own privilege um, Mm. that I was able to look away and that I wanted to look away and that I was able to take a break and say, I can't handle that right now. Um, Which is not to say that that decision was wrong, but it is a marker of the ways that I'm able to close my eyes to those realities. Um, Right. So, I mean, somber note to begin on, but, yeah, but important. And I think, you know, this book is heavy. Uh, and 
especially in the year 2020, um, when these things are more and more being brought to light, Mm -hmm. not that it's happening any more frequently necessarily, uh, just that uh, people are paying closer attention. Or white people Uh, are. Right. There you go. Or non-black people, I should say. Yeah. And yeah, I want to, I want to read a passage of the author's note that you just Mm -hmm. mentioned. If this story affected you in any way, all I ask is that you don't let it stop within the pages of this text. If you cried for Zuleika and Salim, cry for innocent children like Jordan Edwards, Tamir Rice, and Ayanna Stanley Jones. They were 15, 12, and 7 when they were shot and killed by police. If your heart broke for Zelie's grief over the death of her mother, then let it break for all the survivors of police brutality who've had to witness their loved ones taken firsthand. Survivors like Diamond Reynolds and her four-year-old daughter, who were in the car when Falando Castile was pulled over, shot, and killed. Mm. Geronimo Yanez, the officer who killed him, was acquitted of all charges. These are just a few tragic names in a long list of Black lives taken too soon. Mothers ripped from daughters, fathers ripped from sons, and parents who will live the rest of their lives with a grief no parent should have to know. I mean, that's like half of the author's note. It is a brief author's note. Um, It spans... Uh, just over a page or in in my book it's uh, two pages facing each other Um, but yeah it says a lot it does it says a lot in that short amount of text Um, I was skimming through in preparation to record just making notes of things that you know you always you pick up on themes when you're reading a book but then when you go back through it, you, you see those themes in starker detail and, um, just the way that, and I, I, I do hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. If I'm not, please correct me, um, either Shelby or anyone who happens to listen, who knows, but, um, Adeyemi has this theme running through of, um, you know, in, in this world of, uh, Arisha, they're not, they're not police, they're guards, but I mean, functionally, Mm -hmm. um, there's this theme over and over again of like these people that are set up to be peacekeepers are not peacekeepers for those who are, um, who are consistently oppressed by, um, those in power. And at one point, um, Zaley is having a conversation with Inan and he says, Maybe you can't trust my father, but if you could learn to trust me or to trust my guards. And Zaley says, trust the guards, the same guards who chained my mother by her neck, the guards who beat my father half to death, the guards who grope me whenever they have a chance, just waiting for the day they can take everything when I'm forced into the stocks. And um, she says later, your people, your guards, they're nothing more than killers, rapists and thieves. The only difference between them and criminals is the uniforms they wear. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like, there are parallels, but this is not a book about America. Like, it is and it isn't. You know, it, like, you have to be careful 
I think when saying there's like a one-to-one, right? Because last I checked, magic is not actually real. Sorry. But I mean, (laughs) that's a different conversation. conversation. Um, So, you know, it's not one-to-one, but I think the conversation to be had about, um, about violence perpetrated by, um, those put in power by the state is something to really think about. And I don't know, I'm struck specifically by the, the threat of, um, the threat of sexual violence that Zaley brings up again and again. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a reality in our world that we want to pretend I want to pretend I won't say we that I want to pretend isn't real, but it, it certainly is. Yeah. Another part of the, the author's note that really struck me um, was at the very beginning when she says, although riding giant lion airs and performing sacred rituals might be in the realm of fantasy, all the pain, fear, sorrow, and loss in this book, is real exactly yeah yeah so i mean like it is it is a fantasy book it is not a one-to-one um comparison of the united states of america um but i mean it it is a harsh critique Mm -hmm. of of systems of power Mm -hmm. um and and it's not uh, uh i don't know how to say it exactly but I mean, it starts pretty early on, mm-hmm. right? Like the the very beginning of the book, in the very beginning of the book, Zaley is in her like class, right? With Mama Agba mm-hmm. um, and, you know, learning how to fight. And, you know, Mama Agba is talking about, uh, you know, she's, she's telling the story mm-hmm. of of the Magi. Um, and she says those in power began to abuse their magic. And as punishment, the gods stripped them of their gifts. When the magic leached from their blood, their white hair disappeared as a sign of their sin. Over generations, love of the Magi turned into fear. Fear turned into hate. Hate transformed into violence a desire to wipe the Magi away. Um, And yeah, like, I mean, there's a lot of layers in that, right? Mm -hmm. But um, love turned into fear, fear turned into hate, hate transformed into violence. Uh, I think that's a very familiar pattern worldwide. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of it has to do with power and the abuse of power. Um, Another really interesting, like, aspect of this is uh, the mention of the gods, Mm. right? The the gods stripped them of their gifts. Their white hair disappeared as a sign of their sin. Um, Mama Agba later says, one day magic breathed, the next it died. Only the gods know why. And Zaley is like, only the gods know why she doesn't say it out loud out of respect but you know she she's talking about the difference between the way the adults who lived through the raid talk 
and and the way that she feels as a younger person uh she says the adults were resigned like the gods took magic to punish us or they simply had a change of heart deep down i know the truth i knew it the moment i saw the magi of Ibadan in chains the gods died with our magic Mm. are never coming back and i mean that is like again layers Mm -hmm. um but of those layers you know one of them is the difference between um you know the older adults in the story and the young people and the way that they interpret this fight yeah the difference in generation is really interesting Mm -hmm. um but then the other piece is the the talk of the gods right like yes (laughs) Like, that's a theological statement that she's making. Uh, both Mama Agba and Zeli are both making theological statements. Um, you know, Mama Agba is saying that, like, you know, the gods took magic. Um, they took the white hair as a sign of their sin. And, you know, only the gods know why they did that. And Zeli is like, okay, well, the Magi may have lost their magic because the gods actually died. Uh, and, like, that that feeling of, of sort of abandonment by the gods mm-hmm. um, are, are very different theological points of view. And I just found that really interesting because, uh, you know, as she reclaims her power, her theology is something that Zaley has to sort of grapple with and figure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I'm struck remembering this theme about the way that her belief in the gods is so tied up in her memory of her mother, um, mm-hmm. which is tragic in so many ways because her mother was um, really brutally murdered. Not that there are, not that they're unbrutal murders, I suppose, but, um, you know, and so of course, of course her belief in higher power died, um, with her mother. They're, they're, they're synonymous in a lot of ways for her, mm-hmm. um, which is yeah. a common, which is, you know, again, like it's a fantasy story, but the pain is real. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and one thing that I love too, is it's, it's not just tied to her mother, but it's, it's tied to all of the ancestors, mm-hmm. um, which in um, African and African American and, and black theologies, like, you know, the ancestors are incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not that, not that they're unimportant in other theologies. They're, dis- they're distinctly important. But they are, yes, distinctly important. And um I mean, you can see that at, at the end of the book, right? When Zeli is trying to um, perform this ritual and in order to make it happen, she calls on the ancestors. Mm-hmm. That passage that I was reading from comes from page 15 in the hardback book, by the way. Um, good to cite good, where things are Good from. to cite. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other topic related to this that I wanted to bring up is the way that this book um, one thing that's so fascinating is that we have different points of view in this book we have three 
we have Inan, mm-hmm. we have Amari, and probably most centrally, we have Zaley. Um, but what's interesting is that Inan lives in this sort of like half Magi world that's never like a position that I never totally understood how it happened. But um, but Amari has is is completely Kosadan. She has no magical power throughout the first book mm-hmm. um and she you know is in the extreme anon and her are in this extreme position of power um because they're royal children and they um th- their experiences with that power and as it relates to the people that are being oppressed is really interesting um mm-hmm. and i i think i mean as much as like I'm most compelled by Zaley because Zaley is deeply compelling, but I'm also deeply compelled by Amari because to me, she exists in this um, ally role that is not Mm -hmm. without its problems. Like um, her sort of foundational belief and foundational sort of lodestone is her relationship with her best friend Binta who was mm-hmm. killed um, and Bento was a Magi and she was a and servant. And she was also a servant. <laughs> yes. Right. So like the power structures were always deeply, deeply unequal. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it, she, she does examine that from time to time about, you know, how like she never got to ask, she never thought to ask Benta. Um, and she realizes, and, and, and uh, there's a point towards the end of the book where she, you know, apologizes to Binta spirit for never asking. And, um, and I, I think, I think Adiyemi does a really fantastic job of not letting Amari off the hook. Um, mm-hmm. but also saying that Amari, you know, genuinely puts her life on the line to be an ally to Zaley. Um, yeah. and so I think that's really significant. And I, I, I think, I think this book shows an incredible amount of nuance um, yes. be, for its inclusion of Amari and Anon as point of view characters, because they're for the white reader, they're they're my easiest point of contact, um, mm-hmm. and you know that means that I don't know what I'm saying. It's the whole recognition of the fact that like when you, when you begin to recognize that there are people who are categorically oppressed, you have to ask where you fit in that paradigm. And for me, I want to say that I'm an ally, but I can't get over the fact that, you know, my history and my people and the questions that I haven't asked and the fights I haven't placed myself in the middle of and um, the people I haven't advocated for, like that's a huge reality. And so for me, like I said, again, like Zaley is compelling because she's compelling, but I, I think Amari is compelling because I see myself in her more. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I think like the, the points of view on, on magic are really interesting too. Um, one of the lines that, well, I guess it's more like a passage than a line, but um, something that really grabbed me uh, is at the beginning of chapter 48, it's Zaley's perspective. And um, she is talking about um, Anon's misguided hate and how it brought her back to 
the time after the raid, when she despised magic, she blamed her mother, who was dead. Uh, she cursed the gods for making them that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's written from her perspective. I can still feel the shadow of the lie inside, pushing me to hate my blood, rip out my white hair. It almost ate me alive, the self-hatred spun from Saran's lies. But he already took Mama. I couldn't let him take the truth, too. In the moons following the raid, I held on to Mama's teaching, embedding them in my heart until they ran through me like blood. No matter what the world said, my magic was beautiful. Even without powers, the gods had blessed me with a gift. And, you know, it's, it's that reckoning uh, with her own power and the ways that it's affected her life, the way that it's, it took, you know, not that her power took her mother, but that, you know, like because of the power that they were blessed with, they were oppressed and, um, and her mother was killed for it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, tying all of that up with this lie that she internalized and, and the process that she went through to untangle that, uh, to hold tight to what her mother taught her, that her magic was beautiful and that it really was a gift. Um, but yeah, man, like that, it's talking my heartstrings for sure. Um, you know, talking about that toxic lie mm-hmm. that led to that mm-hmm. self-hatred that she had to unravel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the part that I always think of, um, it's in chapter forty four, so a little ahead of a little ahead of where you were. Um, she and Anon are sort of first teaming up, and he says, "You don't have to be afraid." And she, in the audiobook, bless it, does this part really well. He says, "You don't have to be afraid," and she says, "I am always afraid." And in mm. the audiobook, it's really like the reader is fantastic. Um, I think her name is Bonnie Turpin. Mm-hmm. Um, and she really like throws her whole feeling into it, um, which is, is amazing. Um, but this idea that, and then she goes on, it doesn't matter how strong I get, how much power my magic wields, they will always hate me in this world. Mm. Um, and it, it reminds me of, um, it reminds me of the, the sort of myth that if a black person is exceptional enough, or if they do, you know, enough quote unquote right things, or if they are quote unquote good enough that they'll be safe from white oppression. And that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the hatred is so embedded um, that no matter how that it, that this idea that that fear can always be with you um, is really, yeah. I mean, again, it's the, the, the fear and the emotion is real and um, fiction can be, such an important way to enter into that conversation. The other person I wanted to talk about, I talked about Amari a little bit. We got to talk about Anon at some point. Cause what do we do with him? Oh, right. Oh man. One of the like scenes of the book that 
just like rips my heart out is when we are sort of told about Zaley's torture mm. from Nod's perspective. It's so bad. I know. I mean, it's it's well written, but it's it's awful. Yes, I mean she has a slur carved into her back while he watches. Mm-hmm. I mean. And he does, I mean, to his credit, he does protest against it and and, and try to help her, um, but his father has him restrained and removed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's like sort of one of the moments that it really is drawn home for him just how despicable his father is and 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 what he has done to these people that's fair but he still goes back i know that's like the worst it's the worst um before she's tortured in that specific way um he's talking to her in the jail cell and he says my father's scared he's misguided but his fear is justified all the monarchy's ever seen is the destruction magi can bring they're never they've never experienced anything like this referring to zuleika's camp Hmm. um and oh man i remember reading this and being like you idiot um but like again like how many times do we hear oh you know his fear is justified, but his actions were misguided. Like he meant oh, well, yeah. but like that. And oh man, it's so real. Um, yeah, but Anon goes back, and it's it's heart wrenching. But again, it's like these systems of privilege are so baked into how we think, and it's totally possible for someone to have good intentions and to not understand I don't know I think Anon is an important character because he is so frustrating Um, but because because that the what he does is more common than we like to think Mm. yep um so when I was first reading this book on a bit of a lighter note, um, when I was first reading this book, I told a mutual friend of ours that it gave me major Avatar The Last Airbender feelings. And she was like, huh, why do you say so? I'm like, okay, come on. Like, you know, magical world where people can control things. And there's a brother and sister who like go on a magical quest and like they team and like a prince is following them. And she kind of looked at me and was like, what? But it's like, there's a lot of overlap. And in the acknowledgement, she thanks Brian DiMartino and um, Michael Konetsko, who made Avatar The Last Airbender. And I was like, I knew it. I knew it. Wait. Yes. She, like, thanks them for inspiring her. And I'm like, thank you. I knew it all along. Um, But. The thing that's so devastating is unlike Zuko. (laughs) You knew where I was going. Redemption arc gets cut Off. off. It's true. And that's what I was going to say is like, it's, 
because I love because I love Prince Zuko so much, I think part of me was really cheering for Anon and hoping that he could turn it around. But like, no, like the reality of it is so harsh. And it's like, no, you sometimes you cannot come back from that. And like the reality of your decisions will come for you. Like, mm-hmm. um, so Oh God! Um, Turns out, Anon is more like. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm afraid. Dig I deep. Am. You've got it. Azula. There it is. It's it's, it's almost like Anon is more Azula than he is Zuko. You know? Yeah, a little bit. And again, it's not a one to one. Like I'm not saying that. It's not, like Zaley is not Katara, and Zane is not Sokka, even though he kind of is. Um. <laughs> He is in that sense that all big brothers are kind of the same. Um, I say this as someone with a big brother. Um, But yeah, I, for all that this book is really hard. um, The first half is really kind of rollicking. Um, Like it's really kind of rollicking, like a rollicking good time. Like, like, I don't know, like you get to, go around the world and see new places and I mean those those themes are always there but like there's moments of like real joy um there are like when they're by the river and like I think Zane pushes Amari in and it's like a whole thing and um because young love exactly yeah and I mean that is definitely there and I I don't want to discount that I think part of uh, you know this book. This book told. Blah. This book told. This book took me a while to read as well. Um, again, just because of the heaviness in it, and you know, like it really is there from the beginning. Um, and those. I was just joined by a cat. Uh, those moments of joy you know, are continuously uh, sort of, I don't want to say interrupted. Brutally knocked down. But, like, followed by some really terrible things. Like, I don't know. Like, I just keep thinking back to, um, you know, Zaylee is able to go back to to Mala Agba and uh, sort of learn more about magic. And it's this moment that's just building and like you can feel them about to like start on their journey and then their village is burned Mm -hmm. and exactly Aggie it's just it's devastating no there is the real sense that like no matter no matter what joy they find that fear is always constant um, right. Which sucks. Which is reality. Um, and I mean, it's also just good storytelling, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you want to keep, you want to have these moments of breath, but you also want the tension to stay relatively high. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh God. Now I'm thinking about how her dad dies at the end and it made me so mad. Oh, uh, I mean, her dad is murdered. Let's not mince words. Um, yeah, okay. Jenny, 
question for you, though. Mm-hmm. For me, this book was harder to read than Blanca and Rojas. Oh, certainly. Okay, because that was my question for you. Because, like, one of your, like, hang-ups with Blanca and Rojas was, like, that you just felt like you couldn't take a breath. Oh, I disagree. Okay, they're different for me. They are very different for me. Okay. Um, I feel like this book has more... Hmm. I don't want to be mean to Blanca and Roja because it's really good. I feel like this book is livelier. Hmm. I can see that. Um, and I don't know if that's, I don't know. I don't know exactly why, but like, you know, I would say it doesn't, the themes are as heavy, if not heavier, but I would say the writing style feels lighter to me, not lighter, like yes. more, I don't mean in, in, inconsequential, but just, um, it's, it's a different kind. It's not, of it's not so the writing is not as rich. Mm-hmm. Um, but not in a bad, no, 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 not at all. Um, but sort of like, you know, it's like the difference between like chocolate cake and chocolate torch. Sure. Yes. <laughs> Two bakers talk about books. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, this book, I, 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 I objectively do like it better than Blanca and Roja. And it was hard for different reasons, I would say. Mm-hmm. Do we, speaking of comparisons, do we want to move into ratings? Or are there other things we wanted to talk about? Um, let me flip through my dog ear pages. I mean, so many things we've already touched on in this podcast come back up in this. Like, um, in Amari's first chapter, there's all this stuff about colorism and how her mom wishes she was lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, the rumors that circulate that she may not be her father's daughter mm-hmm. because she's not, because she's so dark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Another thing that's, like, a part of Amari's story that really got me um, was the the way that Inan and Amari's father makes them fight one another. Mm. And Amari drops her sword and refuses to fight. And Inan cut his sister in the back. Like damn yeah i mean mean, you don't want to believe that that is you don't want to believe that that's possible but at the same time like as a person with daddy issues like those things can run deep hmm. um yeah well and and it's very clear that anon has daddy issues as much as that's what i mean i i I was referring to him right yeah, I mean, so the the part that I'm looking at right now is on page 435. Um, Father steps forward and embraces me. A touch so foreign, my body flinches in shock. The last time his arms were wrapped around me was when I was young, after I cut Amari. Uh, and, and this is right. He's referencing the part where uh, his father said to him, a man who can cut his own sister is a man who can be a great king. Mm-hmm. 
And he says, for a second, I allowed myself to feel proud. I was happy as my sister bled. Yeah, this whole idea that you have to give up your humanity in order to be a ruler. Well, I mean, it's when really, like, Amari's got it, Mm -hmm. right? Like, she understands that, like, it's empathy that allows you to rule well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that Anand, I feel like he just keeps trying and failing and trying and failing to grasp. Yeah. Agreed. I think, I mean, I think we all do what we can with what we're given. And I don't know, like, it's hard in some ways to have sympathy for Anon because he does perpetuate a lot of evil and oppression. Um, But at the same time, you know, you can look at what he has what he grew up in and what he, but I mean, again, but like Amari didn't, but she's a girl and did she have the same expectations? Cause she's the second born. I don't know. I'm talking myself in circles. Like it, this book does a really good job of introducing this nuance of like, yes, how you were raised is important, but it's not the end of it. Like you still have choices, but that doesn't mean you can't have empathy for these people, but that doesn't mean that it makes them okay. You know, like, Right. It it's hard to talk about because there's not one conclusion to reach. Like there there are endless conclusions. Um yeah. which I think speaks to Adiyemi's really like masterful understanding of character that she is able to write Anon and Zaley and Amari in these ways. I do wonder though. Separate conversation, kind of. Why is Zane not a POV character? I've wondered that too. And I'm because I have not yet read um, Virtue and Vengeance. Virtue and Vengeance. I'm curious if he becomes a POV character. That's true because Anon is dead. Well, well, then. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, one thing before. Okay, well, okay, let's talk about Zane for just let's a second. Let's talk about Zane. I love Zane. His, his character is so precious um, and, and, and he really wrestles with the, tr- like he is just forced over and over and over again to grapple with the choices that the other people around him mm-hmm. make. Like his life is so heavily influenced by the choices of others and he just has to do the best that he can with it. Mm-hmm. It's really true. Yeah. I mean, I joke like, I I joked that, you know, all big brothers are kind of the same in that way. Um, But I did, I think if for the, the moments that I saw myself in Zaylee, which like is not super often, but in those sibling interactions, I sometimes did um, like having a big brother in that way. Like there is this element that like we annoy each other to death and like he and I don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, but like when push comes to shove, like, I know for a fact he would do what he needed to do. Um, That he would get himself into whatever mess he needed to, if it meant keeping me alive or keeping me happy. Um, And yeah, so I think, I think this, I think this book does a really good job of like 
for all the unhealthy relationships that happen in this book. Like, um, I think that Zane and Zaley's is really, is really kind of a beautiful picture of what a sibling relationship can look like. And, um, I think that's important. It is. Yeah. And okay. So speaking of relationships, there's one other thing that I want to talk about before we get to ratings. Mm -hmm. And that is Zaley and Amari's relationship. Oh, okay. Yeah. It progresses throughout the book, right? And the the chapter that I'm thinking of specifically is chapter 76. When she braids her hair? Yes. Oh. Yes. I just read that chapter before we got on the call. I'm, it made me it's, emotional. It is just, it is one of those moments in the books that makes you emotional for an entirely different mm-hmm. reason, right? Like, it is so tender and vulnerable and... It's the moment when Amari and Zaley really, I think, solidify their friendship. Mm-hmm. They're, they're honest. And Zaley says, I used to think you were weak. Um, and <laughs> Amari is kind of taken aback. And she's like, well, the things Zaley probably used to think of me weak was probably the nicest. Um, and yeah, they just have this really hard conversation and you know there are tears shed and giggles (laughs) given and you know all of that it just gives me like sleepover vibes Mm -hmm. you know and and not from my childhood but like I mean even now like when I spend time with my friends like with you Jen when when we talk about the hard stuff and we share laughs and it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, those relationships are really important. Yeah. And, and I'm so glad Zaley has that. Like she goes through the yes. ringer. And so to give her a friend like Amari that they have at the end of the book is, is really lovely. And I, yeah, I, well, I and especially after her rivalry in the beginning, yes, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like she, in her own community, you know, like, she doesn't really have a friend like that. She she has a rival. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, women are so often pitted against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can be cruel to each other. Uh, so seeing this relationship between Bailey and Amari develop um, and sort of come to this, you know, beautiful, I'm not going to say conclusion. Place. Because this series is not over. Um, but yeah, to come to such a beautiful place, um, well, it's really, beautiful. well, speaking of the series not being over, what, what threads do you hope are followed as we go into Virtue and Vengeance, which I will probably start reading Oof. when we end this call. Um, <laughs> I'm very interested to see like, you know, the aftermath of Anand's death mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but also, yeah, like what happens to Zaley and Amari's relationship once Amari has powers mm-hmm. or power at all? Like, I mean, political right. power too. Right. Yeah. Um, what about you? What are you really hoping? Uh, I want more Rowan because I love Rowan. Yes. For I'm sure. I'm a sucker for a pirate. <laughs> um, 
just wait till we read all the stars. And yeah, Kings. sure. Um, <laughs> listen, I, I'm aware of my faults. Um, I'm excited for more Rowan. I'm excited for. I don't know. I'm excited. Excited is not the word. I'm really interested to see how Zaylee deals with the aftermath of that final battle scene, whatever you want to call it. Um, because some really traumatic stuff happened. And I, I know that, um, I know that the author is sensitive to the ways that trauma shapes people. Um, and so I'm interested to see how that changes and shapes Saley. Um, She's already been formed by, you know, the trauma with her mother and then the trauma that she experienced at being captured and tortured. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, now we have this, the death of her father, I think. Oof. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Well. And the death of the nun too, because. Yeah, she doesn't. Despite everything. She doesn't stop having a connection to him just because of everything that happened. Right. <sighs> okay, so ratings. So ratings. <laughs> um, oh golly! I mean, I resist giving anything of ten because it feels like perfection is impossible. But no, like, let's, but like, we're let's close. We're like nine point five territory. Let's say that ten doesn't have to equal perfection. It can just be a very loved book. I mean, I gave Blanca and Roja a 10. I don't think it was a perfect book. Yeah, okay, I'll give it a 10. I'll give it a 10. You've convinced me. All right. Yeah. And and I give it a 9. No decimal points this time. So not not based on quality, but based on your, like, love of it? What do you mean? Like, why a nine? Well... What keeps it from being a ten for you? I don't know. I can't exactly put my finger on it. Maybe it it is a 9.5. I don't know. Like, I think it's difficult for me to give any book a ten that it took me this long to read. And I'm not quite sure what a about the book it was that like made it so hard to read and and it wasn't just that it was so difficult like Mm -hmm. that was not the only thing for me I I consume a lot of media um, books included and a lot of that media books included have like really awful deep heavy things happen and I'm able to binge read or binge watch that sometimes you know like I need a break after but I can do it and so I don't know exactly what it was, but there was something in this book that it, it just, it didn't quite grab me in the way that I hoped it would. Gotcha. So, so that's, I would say that my, my nine slash 9.5, because now I'm second guessing my choice is, is based on how I like felt about the book and not like a hundred percent intellectual reasoning because like intellectually 
reasoning. Like, it is extremely well-written. The themes are excellent. The characters are well-developed. Like, Eddie Emmy does an excellent job with this book. It is so good. And I'm excited to read Virtue and Vengeance. And I don't know. That's totally valid. Yeah. Don't second-guess so yourself. I'll say 9.5. 9.5. Okay. Okay. I'm settling now. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Shelby, it has been so good to record with you again. Yes. Agree. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us at chubrubbookclub at gmail.com or visit our website, chubrubbookclub.com. You can also always find us on Instagram at chubrubbookclub. We're posting uh, stacks of books that we get from the library, upcoming book news, uh, all sorts of good stuff. Yeah. Another thing uh, that we would love is if listeners would engage with us by leaving voice messages on our anchor. Uh, so if you go to our anchor page, uh, there's a link on our website. You can leave us a voice message and possibly be featured in one of our episodes. Uh, we would be more than happy to make time in a future episode to talk about any of the previous episodes that you may have feedback on. Uh, or if you want to comment on some of the books that we are going to be talking about in future episodes those include a curse so dark and lonely and all the stars and teeth yeah so here we go shelby i must tell you before i end the call to go read my book your body is good jenny your body is good and listener your body is good. It's All true. bodies are good bodies. It's really true. Actually, and I want to say something about that really quick, too. Um, we didn't talk a whole lot about embodiment on this episode. Um, you know, there are certainly themes there. Uh, I think we just got caught up in, in all the rest of it. I think that we talked about embodiment, just not directly. Yes, exactly. Like, it's inherent in, in every conversation, I think. Um, and I'm excited, you know, we will read Virtue and Vengeance and do an episode on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited. I think one of the really interesting things to talk about is going to be how Amari finds her new power. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, okay. So I was going to say the all bodies are good bodies thing. Uh, wanted to give a shout out to my friend Brittany, who sent me a really sweet card um, in the mail support the U.S. Postal Service uh, with a sticker that says all bodies are good bodies and I'm obsessed with it and it's on my laptop. Oh, I love that. So, you know, got to rep the pod. <laughs> Indirectly. <laughs> you know, this is making me want to get Chub Rub Book Club stickers. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. If you would be interested in Chub Rub Book Club swag, oh my God. let us know. I, would... I might just have to make that happen. Yeah, honestly, you have the powers. I do. How do we end these? Um, see you next time. See you next time. No. Hear you next time? (laughs) Smell you next time? Just kidding. Um, No, but (laughs) Um, this has been fun. Love you lots, Jen. And uh, to all the rest of you, we will catch you later. Catch you later.
thanks for listening to our podcast. I apologize for the delay in editing and releasing episodes. Unfortunately, our day jobs have gotten pretty busy. So in the meantime, we invite you to get in touch. Let us know what book you want us to cover next.